We are so excited to announce that we have opened the doors to our private membership community, The Symposium. Inside the symposium, you have access to all of our free and paid content, daily prompts to pull to, live monthly workshops, reading room Zooms, and monthly virtual meetups. We also host monthly challenges and have a lively and engaged community, as well as tarot spread and resource libraries. The symposium is an incredible community of like-minded folks who value the intersection of tarot, mental health, self-reflection, and personal growth. We're really excited to meet you all inside the symposium. So head over to thetarotdiagnosis.com and click join the symposium today to become a part of our community. You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who train together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Luna. So the topic today is one that we've been sort of playing with for a couple of weeks that has been on our list of things that we want to talk about. And the topic is reality versus fantasy. And it's been interesting to have this on the list and kind of play with it and think about the different ways we could talk about it. And there's a number of different ways. But we were interested in the concept of how we sort of need to find this balance between living in reality but also having access to the world of fantasy or the world of daydreaming and acknowledging that um, that's a spectrum and we're trying to find a place of balance there. And often people will either sort of go a little bit too much of living in the real world and not allow themselves enough fantasy. And that's not particularly healthy. And some people go a little bit too far the other way and get into what's called maladaptive daydreaming and um, sort of live their life in a fantasy. And so this was the idea, was that we wanted to talk about that. But then this um, this thing happened that seemed like the perfect way for us to talk about that. And that is that once again, this little show called Bug Juice has come on the scene. So in 1996, I was 24 years old and not sure what I was doing and was fleeing a job that I didn't really like and didn't quite know where I was going. And I decided to take a job at a summer camp. And it just happened to turn out that the camp where I was working had made this deal with a production company who had sold a show to the Disney Channel. And the idea was we're going to film kids at a summer camp. And it's like a documentary style, fun show about real kids at summer camp. And through a very odd set of circumstances, they asked me if I would be the counselor in the cabin of the kids that they were filming. So I said, sure, that's interesting. That seems like a unique opportunity. And then in 1997, the show came out on the Disney Channel. And so for the past, you know, 20 some, I think it's like 26 years, every couple of years, this show, Disney Channel has not released it since it came out, but it shows up like on Facebook or on YouTube. Right now, it's really hot on TikTok. And when that happens, Once again, I start getting emails from people I've never met and I start getting messages on Instagram and people figure out who I am and want to connect with me. And I'm always a little like, I don't know what to do with that because I recognize that they don't want to connect with me. They want to connect with the fantasy part of what it is. And it's a struggle to figure out how to manage that 
And like, it's something that like, I really actually have a hard time with, but it seemed like an interesting thing for us to talk about, particularly because I'm talking right now to Shannon, who actually watched the show, which is weird, right? <laughs> oh my God. It was so, it's so weird. It, well, it's not weird for me anymore, just because like, I know you, <laughs> but it was a funny story. So I have never told you this. At least I don't think I've ever told you this. Maybe I have, but I'll never forget when we were in grad school, we had, we, I don't remember what class it was, but we were sitting in this circle and it was like the very first class that they were doing icebreaker exercises. And it was like two truths and a lie. Do mm-hmm. you remember this? No. <laughs> you don't remember this? Oh my no. gosh. And your, I don't remember what your, all of your two truths and a lie were, but one of them was, I was on a reality television show. Sure. sure. It's one of my go-tos. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being one of the truths. And I was so curious. <laughs> I immediately like <laughs> went home and Googled. <laughs> And I was like trying to figure out what, because you, you were adamant that you were not going to tell anyone what show it was, which just like, (laughs) yes, you, which fueled (laughs) my, my curiosity. And I don't know if you ended up telling us or I can't remember, but I remember, I think I found you and I was like, oh, she was on bug juice. And it was just like the weirdest experience for me because I, that was kind of my, that was my age, my generation. Mm-hmm. And so I would come home from school and I would be so excited to watch Bug Juice. So then to find out that I was in this program with someone who was on the show that meant so much to me was the coolest thing. Uh, so I'm excited to have this discussion with you on what it's like to be someone who watches that and maybe engages in that fantasy and then Mm -hmm. have the perspective of someone like you who was actually in that experience and can share from your perspective what that was like. Yeah, I think it's such an interesting topic and I'm not going to lie. It makes me weirdly nervous. But I mean, I think that that's a, a part of it is to acknowledge that the people who create fantasies actually really do kind of feel a little nervous about doing so. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So should we pull a card now? Yes, let's pull a card. All right, so what deck are you using? I'm using Golden Art Nouveau because I need stability. How about you? (laughs) I am switching it up. I'm using Modern Witch Tarot. Oh, cute. Yeah. That's terrible. Oh no, what'd you get? (laughs) I don't want to say that. What did you get? (laughs) I got Queen of Swords. Which I feel like I don't really, I, it's, I love the no, card, but I don't pull show. it. Yeah, I never you pull, don't pull it. it. No, um, you rarely pull that. That's funny. What did what'd you pull? I got three of swords. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> okay, but swords. So, so there's, there's some, some, some right. logic and, and thinking and thought process, which makes so sense, so much sense. We're talking about daydreaming and fantasy and totally. you know, our, the narratives that, that we create. So th- oh, three of swords, that's a tough one. And I feel like, Ooh, queen, hmm. Can we start okay, with Queen of Swords? That's what I'm thinking makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> Give Queen me a of Swords. To process what just happened. <laughs> I almost feel like the Queen of Swords is trying to protect us from the Three of Swords, where it's like, Ooh. you know, because I guess like I'm of two minds when it comes to the topic of, you know, reality versus fantasy, for example, because I feel like reality TV and social media, like it's it's very much a blessing and a curse because when we you know, when we talk about the world of reality TV or even social media, there's there's this 
space of connection and we get to think mm-hmm. about how other people exist in the world and compare that to how we exist. And that's where it can be kind of a blessing and a curse. But I think the Queen of Swords is also maybe trying to remind us that there's this pretty significant gap between the reality of what's happening on, on the show, for example, um, mm-hmm. or on social media, then how it's actually portrayed to us. Sure. And then the story that we assign to what we're watching or consuming. So if you think about it, there's really, ooh, actually that lends itself nicely to your three of swords. There's three stories at play. You know, there's the, the truth of what's really happening, the, the edited kind of curated version that we're getting, and then the story that we assign to it. And I think it can be really difficult to remember that in the moment. So the Queen of Swords here is kind of this reminder of like, hey, almost like what you were saying when you opened the episode, be responsible at the level at which you're engaging, you know, with this, with this content and this media, because it's really easy for us to forget that reality TV does rely on either heavily scripted scenes or Mm -hmm. heavily edited footage to create something that's entertaining for us. I like the way you just talked about that. That was really lovely. And I think that that's a good point. I mean, I almost want to flip Queen of Swords upside down and sort of say, like, please recognize that when we're talking about this card in relationship to the concept of reality and fantasy, you are absolutely responsible for your own fantasy life. That's Mm -hmm. why it's amazing, because it's your world. So you can do anything you want in that world. And sometimes what we do in our fantasy world is not actually serving us well because we tell ourselves a fantasy that is so um, out of reach Mm -hmm. that it makes living in the real world really uncomfortable. Or perhaps there's, I mean, there's like vengeance or there's grudges or there's ugliness in our fantasies, which I think is, you know, a very human thing to have the I'll get back at you story. Mm -hmm. But realizing that we can also get a little bit too caught up in it. So, I mean, it feels like Queen of Swords is just kind of a reminder of when we're engaging with daydreaming or fantasy life, that we do need to do so a little bit responsibly. Yeah, exactly. So how are you feeling about this Three of Swords? I feel like I have some thoughts, but (laughs) I really want to hear what it means for you right now. Three of Swords, Three of Swords has been around a lot recently. Ever since you said to me, oh, you pull that card a lot a couple <laughs> weeks ago, then I realized, oh, I, I really do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that bugs me that this is a card that I pull um, because it's the sort of the heartbreak betrayal card. But actually, I think that it speaks well to this topic because this is the nature. This is the dynamic tension. As humans, we have this really interesting capacity to fantasize, which is mm-hmm. kind of amazing. And we have to deal with the fact, this sort of betrayal, that what we imagine in our mind will never work, will never be as perfect as we want it to be in our mind. So living in a human existence where we have capacity for this creative world building in our mind, and yet we are forced to be slaves of the actual world, in a way, feels like heartbreak. It feels like betrayal. It feels like none of this is fair. Yeah. Wow. That was a really good way to explore the Three of Swords. You know, something else that, you know, I'm thinking about in terms of this experience is the fact that what we see on TV and and social media, I'm kind of, I'm going to use them both while we talk about this because I feel like they, Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. like they exist kind of side by side in this discussion, but 
you know, this, this discussion was definitely brought on by the bug juice stuff, but reality TV and social media run at such a high rate of speed with, yeah. you know, the, the scene cuts and the editing and it, all of that is what allows it to feel really cohesive to us, despite the speed at which we're consuming it or, or that it's presented, when in reality, life actually moves pretty slow. And I think oh. that can really mess with our perception of the experiences that we see and then ultimately like fantasize about or daydream about, which can lead to those three of swords moments of maybe wishing you had that or feeling pain that you don't, or even feeling pain about something. Um, that you're consuming maybe someone else, but, you know, based on editing and how it looks, it might not actually be as painful as you're experiencing it, but they, you know, editing and and movie magic have, have made it out to be that way. You know, and then another component of this three of swords is we have this kind of unrealistic narrative that we create when we're in fantasy land. And sometimes fantasy land is really great. And then sometimes it leads to feelings of inadequacy or anxiety or self-doubt. So that's where earlier when I said, you know, I feel like it's a blessing and a curse because sometimes, and you use the word maladaptive daydreaming, which is exactly what it is. If we spend too much time in there and we're kind of stuck in that what if uh, loophole of, of daydreaming, then it's going to be really painful. Very three of swords versus if we are stuck in, not even stuck in, if we're engaging in a, a fantasy or, or daydreaming about being on bug juice, for example, or, mm-hmm. you know, engaging in the the fun activities that they did or the conversations, we're actually having our brain think and process about how maybe we would function in that space or allowing our brains to be creative. So this goes back to how important it is to balance and be able to kind of check yourself when you're in that moment of daydreaming of, wait, hold on, how long have I been in this space? And is this hurting me or is this helping me? Oh, there's so much with what you just said. It's so interesting, right? I mean, I, like I'm thinking about it like a movie montage. Like I love what you're talking mm. about with this sort of the speed of things that in order to be entertaining, we skip over the hard parts and the boring parts. Yeah. And this, I mean, it just reminds me of so many conversations we've already had. I'm thinking about, I was talking about imposter syndrome. I'm thinking about perfectionism and how a few minutes ago, I just, I cut and I pulled the star card, which I kind of was like, I'm not sure what to do with this, but it feels right. What we really want is to be able to find this place of clarity where one foot's in the water, one foot is a little dreamy or a little emotional and one foot is on ground. And we have plenty of access to truth, but also to, to beauty. And I think that that's what, why fantasy is so important and why movies or TV shows or Instagram or reality TV is so engaging is because it gives us this place of sort of imagining like, well, what if my life looked like this, which is inspirational and that's important. We need the inspiration of, wow, like what could happen? That's hope. But when it turns into perfectionism, when it turns into it needs to be like this, then, you know, it leads just to utter depression. And that's where Three of Swords shows up, too. You're right. So I one of the cards I pulled was the Ten of Swords. But in the Modern Witch Tarot, there's um, <laughs> there's an extra card and it's the Everything is Fine card. And it has this yeah. person laying in bed on their phone, kind of on scrolling with 
Yeah, 10 swords, which I love. But then I also just cut the deck and pulled the death card. So I immediately put those two cards next to each other. And I feel like it pairs nicely with what you're saying right now, because, you know, when we're watching reality TV or even just scrolling and we see these experiences that people are having, and I want to spend a little bit more time, if you're okay, going back to the bug juice experience, because there's this very specific feeling that you get as a viewer. I, I have such a vivid memory of being so excited to come home and watch this because it felt like a warm, fuzzy hug and it felt so safe and comfortable. But then at the same time, I remember having these, we'll call them fantasies because that's what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. of being able to have these transformative experiences that seem to be displayed on, on TV. It seemed like the summer camp was magical and that there was so many important life experiences and big feelings and conversations and love and heartbreak and excitement and creativity all in such a short span of time that I would be like, I wish I could experience that. And I think that's where the death card comes in is like craving this level of transformation that is being shown to us. But then when you don't get that, and then of course the narrative that you're assigning to it, oh, these people's lives must be so amazing. They must be having so much fun. You are left in this, everything is fine. Let me doom scroll and avoid my own life in the process because it's not the fantasy that I've created or that I long for. Wow. That's really interesting. Right. (laughs) Um, That's really interesting. I mean, and I think that that is like, it's just such a a, a narrow walk that you have to walk. I love that you brought death card into it to talk about the idea of transformation. And here's like the thing about it is that all I'm not even going to go with two things are true at the same time. I'm going to say all of the things are true. Mm. Number one, a a summer camp experience where you get to go for four or eight weeks is a really cool thing for most kids. Now, some kids just like are not into it. Like introverted kids are like, why is everybody singing all the time? This is terrible. But (laughs) a lot of kids do really well because it's a space that is crafted and very carefully designed to, you know, like the phrase then when I was working, like the phrase in the camping world was uh, camps give kids a world of good. And I just Mm -hmm. loved the phrase because it's true. Mm -hmm. And for me, growing up in, in a home that wasn't particularly nice. Mm -hmm. I loved going to camp. I didn't go to these four week camps. I would go for like a week, but even in a week at like a Girl Scout camp, it would, it meant the world to me. And I think so camps are very good for most kids. Most of the time, of course, there are exceptions. I think that's true. I think the other thing that is true is this really ugly deal with the devil almost had to happen of in order to give kids all over the country the experience of that fantasy or that experience of like the hope of transformation or having these fun experiences, we have to acknowledge that we took something away from the kids who were being filmed. And Mm. I've never had that conversation. Like I haven't talked to anybody, you know, like I was like a camp counselor. Like we are not like best buddies still. I've not seen any of these kids since we left camp in 1996. Like I was Facebook friends with a couple of them, but like we never interacted, whatever. I cannot imagine that this experience was a totally good one for them. I just like, I I don't think it was because it's weird 
to be followed around by a camera crew and to be pretending like you don't notice, Mm. both because you have to ignore the cameras, but also because there was sort of this social pressure around like, no, they're like a fly on the wall. That's what they kept saying. We're a fly on the wall. I'm like, you are absolutely not a fly on the wall. It's three people minimum with a camera and a boom mic. We see you. (laughs) We see you. (laughs) There's no way. And I'm aware that the camera is in my face and recording what I'm saying. There's no way at 24, I was self-conscious. There's no way that a 14-year-old was not self-conscious. But that was the cost that we all agreed to pay, sort of. I don't know if any of us really knew what that was going to be like, because this was so early in reality television that like, it was before the internet, you know, like this was before the internet, which is so weird to me. But that gift of that, I love the fact that I hate the fact that it took something away from the camp experience for all of the kids who were there. But I like that it gave something to you and to like many of our classmates at Hopkins, mm-hmm. by the way, like a lot of people, somebody figured it out and started talking about it. And, mm, you know, maybe like, it was me. <laughs> you may have started talking about it. somebody else like confronted me once in like, in, oh. like <laughs> in the lab and they were like, you were on bug juice. I'm like, I was. And they were like, we know. We, and then everybody we started. Know. Oh, my gosh. But I mean, like, that's amazing to me. And like the messages that I get on Instagram are like, that show made me feel so good. And I'm always like, you're welcome, I guess. Like, it feels strange. Mm. But these two things are true. It cost something. It wasn't free to the kids who were in it. That's so interesting because I feel like I'm having the same reaction that you had when I shared my experience of it because, of course, I was you know, absorbed and I really loved it. And I was like, I never got to experience that. And that seems amazing. And it's like a total shift from what I have to deal with at home. I wish I could be transported to that, but never, not even as an adult now. And I'm, I almost feel kind of guilty now that I did not consider what that must've been like for the kids being followed, knowing that their experience was going to be televised. And actually one of the cards I pulled uh, is judgment. And I guess I'll use it pretty literally. Sure. And that, but then be subjected to judgment and uh, not probably not nearly as, as bad as if, you know, the internet had really been a thing or social media had really been a thing. But, you know, now that it kind of reemerges, I wonder too, how much of an impact that has on them currently I mean, and you too, being a counselor on the show, people are, are you know, will make comments. Well, what did this person mean? Or I can't believe that person did that. And, you know, it does affect you on more levels than maybe you're even prepared for. And it's interesting to hear you say, you know, yeah, there are camera people following us around. So here we are, the viewers, fantasizing about this wonderful experience, not seeing the cameras. Mm-hmm. And what we have, the story that we've created for ourselves is vastly different than the story of what was actually happening. Well, I'm, of course, of course. And, you know, as I was sort of thinking about doing this, I was just talking to my partner about it and he was like, don't piss on people's parade here. You know, right. like, and I think it was like a really fair statement. I think I'm just acknowledging that fantasy exists in two ways. One is inspired by something else, like the Hogwarts fantasy, you know, Mm, like that's not your fantasy. It's an adapted fantasy or Mm. a bug juice fantasy or a fantasy that you just completely crafted on your own. And I 
think that, I mean, both are really interesting. I'm sure everybody has experienced both in one way or another. And there is um, a place of acknowledging that the, the fantasy creators do carry a burden. And part of the burden is not saying it. Part of the burden is pretending that you're not carrying a burden because you you want people to have the experience. You, I really wanted kids to feel good about the idea of camp. So that feels very much like Knight of Wands, just kind of like yeah. charging in and, <laughs> you know, trying to forget, you know, what's around you, the boom mics, the cameras. What was that like for you being the adult in the situation? But also I'm assuming that was your first time experiencing a camp situation with all the cameras and the boom mics. And then I'm assuming that maybe you watched some episodes <laughs> back after it aired. What was it like for you to have the actual experience of being there and then seeing the experience that we, the viewers had? Oh, yeah. I think that that is the part that like, I really want to be delicate with, but is, is worth, um, it was deeply uncomfortable for me. And, you know, like the truth is, is that when they were filming, they didn't focus much on the adults. They were really originally they were just going to focus on the kids. So the the mic and the the camera weren't around that much. They didn't follow me. They followed the kids. And then they they went and they showed the show to um, test audiences and it didn't do well because it was like Lord of the Flies. Everyone was like, where are the adults? <laughs> and when funny. they realized that they needed the adults, they took the other counselor, the male counselor and I, and they flew us to LA and they put us on a soundstage. So every time you're watching the show and there's a scene where, where Rhett, who was the other counselor, or I are talking about the kids, that was all filmed afterwards in LA. And everything we said was, we filled in the script. They watched all the footage they picked up the story. They crafted this story. Everything is true, mm -hmm. but they selected the stories they wanted. And then they used us basically as narrators to help guide it. Oh. And I, I think that that's, I, I think that they had to do it almost mm -hmm. like that. Like that feels like an important part of the craft of it. So when it, uh, when it was all over and the shows aired, because like I didn't see the shows until they were like on the television which was weird. I would just get very nervous before a show would come on. They would, I think that they would show up on Sundays and I would be nervous ahead of time. And I remember watching it and just kind of being incredibly tense, worrying that they didn't show me doing anything stupid, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> which I really don't understand why anybody would do a reality television show now, because like, it's pretty much a guarantee that if you are going to look bad, they're going to put it on. Right. I felt pretty safe going into this because I was like it is Disney their intention is feel good so even though I knew that I, I was very worried about how I was going to come off and even now like when the TikTok thing showed up <laughs> like I sort of did this low green free I'm 50 years old by the way and I'm still <laughs> like uncomfortable with it I will gingerly click on the comment and I will scroll and I basically will just kind of scroll until I see somebody say something not unkind about me. And then I'm of like, course. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Which is like the funniest thing. Like, I think that just there's an agreement that you make 
when you put yourself on Instagram, when you put yourself in a reality television show, when you show yourself off, we have a compulsion to do it. And it's really like silly to say, oh, I don't care about that. Like, of course, everybody wants the accolades. Everybody wants to sort of like there's a fame fantasy there that Mm. most people have to a degree. So like anyone's watching Bug Juice, either they want to go to camp, but what they really want is they want to go to camp and they want to be filmed and they want to be recognized later, except for the truth is you really don't because it's actually really uncomfortable. It's, it's really interesting hearing you talk about your experience and I, it's gotta be even more fascinating to see this particular experience emerge, you know, decades later. And so one of the cards I pulled to guide the episode was page of coins, which we view pages as being curious about, you know, the world and emotions mm-hmm. and our thoughts and, you know, the, the page of pentacles being pentacles being earthly. It kind of makes me wonder, you know, what is it, what do you think is the, the reason this show maybe reemerges on social media and people are super curious about that world and how it existed and the fantasy that maybe they're they're creating. Do you think it's still like what you were just saying? Like there's this drive to maybe be on the show and have that experience and and have it filmed and be excited to see it play back? Or do you think it's something else when it reemerges? I'm okay. I think that for this show, I think that it's nostalgia. I think a lot of people when it shows up, particularly now, because it's been so long, I think that now when it shows up, people are like, oh my God, like the comments are all, oh my God, I love this show. I want, wish so much I could be there. Like there's, it's interesting because it's like almost like a nostalgia for a fantasy. It's a, I remember watching the show. I remember wanting to go to the camp mm-hmm. and, you know, to a degree, like that's lovely actually that you're talking about pages with it because it's almost being able to remember in a way how nice it felt to be able to have the freedom of that much fantasy. You know, if you're 13, you can really imagine all sorts of things. And as you get older, like less and less, you know, like again, at 50, my fantasies are not like, I'm never going to be a prima ballerina. I'm never going (laughs) to do it like tons of things like because they're gone. But when you're 13, and I think that that might be a little bit of what's captivating for people is that being able to touch that page energy. It's as soon as you said page of pentacles, like I grabbed page of swords and I want to put them right next to each other because they feel like this is what we're talking about between this reality and this fantasy. Page of swords feels in this case, so fantasy to me. It's this guy standing there holding his sword, you know, hair in the breeze. And you can see that this captures sort of like the energy of a kid in the backyard with a big stick pretending that he's fighting off dragons. And that's something that an adult has a hard time doing. Like an adult's daydreams aren't often about like, well, I think that actually some... Some people have sort of like the fight fantasy, but the idea of a dragon showing up gets farther and farther away. But then there is this page of pentacles. Like no kid is like, I'm really looking forward to being an adult and being like really excellent at filing my taxes. (laughs) Like nobody thinks that, but it is sort of the art of being a human is being able to say, I can do both of these things. I can dream and I can also get better at reality. I think that's exactly right. And it's really interesting because, you know, you and I had a conversation recently where 
I think I texted you and I was like, Hey, I just realized I don't daydream anymore. (laughs) And, you know, then it was right before we were talking about, you know, doing this whole episode. And it's interesting because I think you're right as as kids, that is very much a part of, you know, kind of just our, our daily routine is we, we do fantasize and we do daydream and it does seem to diminish as we get older. And when this, this show, for example, or other shows, um, you know, I see it a lot with, you know, other Disney or Nickelodeon or, you know, other childhood shows, you know, pop up. It allows us to transport back to that time when we were mm-hmm. that age. And mm-hmm. maybe we didn't have all the stresses that we have today. And we remember, you know, sitting up close to the TV, too close to the TV, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just like wide eyed, you know, excited about, you know, what we were going to experience. And then maybe after the show was over, daydream about us being in that position and what we might do or what we might say. And it had more of a fun, lighthearted pleasure aspect to it, which is, I think, you know, we haven't spent too much time talking about, but that is the beneficial part of daydreaming and fantasizing is that it does and can reduce anxiety and stress and depression and help you increase your creativity and your problem solving skills when it's in the realm of, of pleasure and, and joy. But I think as we get older, it moves away from being in that, that zone and instead goes into the, Oh God, what if this happens? Okay. Well, if this happens then I'll do that and I'll fight this and I'll say that, and, you know, be prepared for this. We don't, just watch something and then let our minds wander for 15 minutes about, you know, running around a camp and doing obstacle courses and, you know, eating food or making, you know, s'mores around a campfire and singing songs. So I think when it pops up again, it gives us a little bit of an escape and maybe a tiny bit of a reprieve. You brought up something really interesting there. I mean, as you started talking, I grabbed Six of Wands because I think that that's part of the joy of particularly the younger person daydream is that you get to be victorious. You get to be the one who wins every time. And it's (laughs) awesome. Like, I love that. You know, like I always say the smartest thing. I always conquer the bully. I always, you know, like, whatever, like I'm always the winner. And that's what is feels so good. And it's really mm. like a lovely confidence builder in many ways. So I, I mean, I, that was gorgeous. What's interesting is what you said after that too, that as we age, we move for, in our fantasy world, many of us at least, from that six of swords victorious moment, or excuse me, six of wands victorious moment mm-hmm. to the nine of swords, yeah. where it turns into our fantasies. Actually, so many people have an issue with their fantasies are anxiety driven. Yeah. And there becomes this magical thinking. We've talked about this before, right? Mm-hmm. But like this magical thinking around if I worry enough, then I'm going to be okay because I've worked out every possible scenario. And then people almost get like a little addicted to mm. this like constant maladaptive daydreaming about something going wrong. You know, I'm I'm so glad that we are are highlighting this experience because I don't think it's one that's talked about a lot in terms of getting older. It's just something that mm. naturally happens and I don't think we even experience the grief of losing the fun daydream fantasy until we 
actually experience that it's happening like it did for me recently. I was like, oh no, I'm not daydreaming anymore. And that, that used to be something like I was really, really good at as a kid. It was a really great coping mechanism and escape and it was so fun. And one of the cards I just pulled as you were talking, I was so excited to see it was the magician. And I feel like it's the perfect energy that we can try to practice embodying even as adults and maybe give ourselves permission every once in a while, maybe before bed, because we all have that like nighttime anxiety of like all the things I have to do tomorrow or what I didn't get done today. Or, you know, that's when our brains start racing when we quiet down. If we allow ourselves to just go to a fun fantasy place, give ourselves permission to daydream, give ourselves permission to fantasize and create a story I wonder if we just allowed ourselves to practice that as an adult, how much better we'd feel. I love that. And you know, it's so funny. I've actually had this conversation with a client not too long ago, like this week about, about that very similar topic. I think that that's right. Being able to find this place of balance again, of not being so anxious and being able to explore fun ideas in our own mind. Um, A few minutes ago, I cut the deck and I, I pulled the fool. God, today it feels like so many of the cards like are coming out in pairs for us because I feel like mm. that fool feels very similar to the magician of yeah. look, like I can I can start to go on a little bit of a journey. I can start to be a little foolish and walk along the path and sort of see where it leads me. I can also have a little bit of control over that because now I know that I'm responsible for my fantasy world and I also know that I don't want to set up such an enticing fantasy world that I get lost in it, nor do I want to get so enticed in it that I hate my life. But being able to go to this place of exploration in our mind feels, you know, I guess I'm almost curious about what happens when you get to the place when like your life is pretty much like you've done all the things and now it's time to reflect. I wonder what role the fantasy plays there. I wonder how much of it is just being delighted by watching the birds, but then yes. kind of thinking about like, where are the birds going? Yeah. That's an interesting idea. Okay, wait, hold on. I have to ask you a question about bug juice or maybe a few. So you know how it's kind of reemerged on TikTok. So I was scrolling through some of the comments on one of the videos. You were actually in one of the videos and someone said you were, you were like hugging one of the campers. It was the last day and everyone was headed off and Mm -hmm. everyone looked really solemn and sad. You were, you were embracing one of the campers and you said, maybe I'll make you a tape. I think that's what it sounded like. And in the comments, someone was like, what is the tape Luna is talking about? They were really adamant. They wanted to know what the tape was. And I I was so tempted to comment and say, I don't know, I'll ask. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't, but I'm asking on the podcast. So (laughs) maybe that person's listening now. But yeah, so so do you remember that? What was this tape you were talking about? I have no idea. Um, because it, was, <laughs> it was so many years ago, but it was a time when people made mixtapes for one another. Right. Um, and I mean, I'm sure the thing that inspired that comment was, this is so weird. There, there were two camera crews. There was like a boy's camera crew and a girl's camera crew because the camera crew obviously came into the cabins. And so right. like we had 
there were male and female camera crews. And so there was a, a woman on my camera crew who was the, the sound woman whose name was Nicole, who I had zero, like no interactions with, you know, because like she was just recording me. But it's weird because she was recording me all the time. You know, she was listening to me and watching me all the time. So she ended up feeling closer to me, you know, because she'd been mm. watching me all summer. And at the end of the summer, she made, well, see, maybe I made myself sound more important there than I actually am. Cause I think maybe she did it for everyone. She made a mixtape and she gave it, I think maybe she gave it to all of us. I think maybe she gave it to all of us, but she did make a mixtape that was about like, like women songs. It was, you know, and we nice. all, and I had the mixtape for years. I also later became friends with Nicole. She ended up moving to the same town I did. I ended up like babysitting her kids for a while. Like She's still around. Nice person. Very cool. What is something that, I don't know, we'd be surprised to learn about your experience on Bug Juice? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think that what you said earlier is true. I think that people are are not intended to watch it and think about, I wonder what that was really like. And I think that people are surprised and probably not in a good way that being on the show actually caused me a lot of stress. Mm. Aside from the stress it caused you, what were some positive outcomes? Well, I mean, I also think it, I mean, as much as it caused me stress, I, I'm still very grateful for the experience because it did like my thinking when they, I guess they called me and asked if I would do it. I guess so. I remember thinking it through and sort of being aware this is kind of weird. I remember just thinking like, I'll never have this opportunity again in my lifetime. This is a really unusual thing to get to do. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to do it because it's so unusual. It's going to give me a different perspective. And it really has. It, it changed forever my interest in fame or celebrity or like I'm not, I, I stopped being kind of impressed by that. Yeah. It's a very strange experience to have somebody come up to you and say, you look so familiar <laughs> and to know how they know you and it's making them crazy and to kind of be like, yeah, you don't actually know me, but you th- really think you do. It's a very odd experience. One time, um, a couple years ago, my partner like pulled something in his chest and was having chest pains. And we were like, "Ugh, we got to go to the, like the ER. So we're in the ER and there's a woman who is shaving his chest to put the little like stickers on for the EKG. And she looks at me and she goes, you look so familiar. (laughs) (laughs) And half the time I don't acknowledge it. I'm like, yeah, I have one of those faces. That's what I say. I have one of those faces, but it delights my partner. He thinks it's like a lovely and funny thing. And he, like he was, you know, having an EKG. It was just a very strange moment when somebody like it happens surprisingly regularly. I was hoping you were going to be like, yeah. And then I told her I was on bug juice <laughs> and that you had a whole conversation over your partner's chest. Oh, you did. Oh, wait, talk about that. Okay, right. So I've been like, so he's like on the table, all hairy chested and like having stickers put on him. And I like, and I knew that he wanted me to acknowledge it. So I was like, yeah, do you ever watch this show called Bug Juice? And she totally was like, oh my God, I love that show. And like, (laughs) we're having this whole conversation, you know, with like machines beeping and like, please tell me he's not having a heart attack. And, you know, (laughs) I was on Bug Juice. But you were on Bug Juice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just a final note that feels like it should be said. Obviously, I am talking about my own experiences through a lens of 20 some odd years. These are just my opinions and my experiences after a long period of time. I do want to say overall, 
I really think it's an amazing show. I think that the producers of the show were really creative and kind of amazing for putting this together. I think Disney was really brave to do this show. And I love how many people the show has touched. It was personally hard for me in some ways, but I think that that is well worth the cost when I think about how many people this made their childhood a little bit brighter. I think that that's amazing. And it's something that I am actually proud of. And I know that that doesn't always read when I talk about the show because I feel weird, but I still think it was pretty awesome. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com. 